Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, the brand made famous by John McEnroe, Pete Sampras, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com and use the code CRAIG30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. For the past 30 years, he has been a fixture in pro tennis, customizing and stringing the weapons for the world's greatest players. In the world of tennis racket technicians, he is in a class all by himself. Roman Prokus is today's guest, and this is the technology special. We caught up with Roman in his office on 51st Street in New York City. First and foremost, we're back at the Death Star with Obi-Wan Kenobi of Racket Technicians. I was going to say Yoda, but that's that's rude. Um, That's more fitting, huh? Gentlemen, you hear is uh, the longtime uh, racket technician for a lot of pro players on tour, uh, Roman Prokus. Uh, my man, it's nice to see you again. Good seeing you. Um, as you know, we typically do a five-set format, but I'm going to keep this thing tight. I think today is going to be the it's going to be the the racket tech special of the summer. Okay. We're going to do three sets. Um, the first set, it's the off the court report. Um, what has happened since Indian Wells for you and your business? Well, like everybody else, I, you know, business was phenomenal, was going well, and then we got hit with the COVID, which meant, you know, everything shut down automatically for everybody. So you went from going 100 miles an hour to, you know, to being dead stopped. So were you in Indian Wells? No, no, I wasn't in Indian Wells, no. Because remember that... You stopped that. Remember I stopped the traveling because one of the guys who used to work for me, he is basically doing full-time travel. So, you know, he's actually from Croatia. He did go to Indian Wells, set up, got ready, and two days later was looking for tickets back to Europe. So what happened at that moment for you? For me, absolutely nothing. The beauty of it, you know, of my business is basically because... As you get a little bit older, you start planning more ahead and you start looking what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, working with the pro players, it's it's great, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's like the pinnacle of the tennis game. So, however, I kind of looked at what works and what doesn't work also as a business. So I work with USTA, that's why I have a place in Orlando and Florida, and I do a lot of this on-court consultations, which is really off-season when we are working on what's the best racket for you, what's the best weight, balance, strength, tension, all of that stuff. However, once the season starts and all the, you know, let's go to Madrid, let's go to Australia, I gave up all of that and I let the younger guys handle handle that part. So when, um, when things went on lockdown, particularly in New York, what happened to you? Uh, you know, like everybody else, obviously, we went on lockdown, so we just shut the door, closed everything, and we stayed home. However, you know, because where we are, we are on the second floor. We are really, this is not a store. It's more of a shop. So once we were allowed to kind of restart the business, I came here, you know, people are staying away. I was here alone, very safe, and started working and doing a lot of shipping. By now, to be honest with you, we've never had a better summer in the last 30 years. This is the busiest summer for us personally. What has your opinion been of 
leadership from Governor Cuomo, from de Blasio. You've been at the, when, when this thing started. Do you really want to go there? When this, when this thing started, um, this was the number one place for the problem. Um, it was the epicenter. What is you? What is your? What is your opinions been? Look, it's always easy to look back and start telling other people what they should have done and could have done. You know, so I almost give everybody a, a pass for the first, let's say, four to six weeks because nobody really knew. So everybody tried to do their best. I think past that, too much. You know, politics got involved on all sides, and I'm not taking any sides, you know, and it became too political, which I think the politics should be out of this. This should be, you know, talk to doctors, talk to the specialists in general, and then, you know, we'll listen and we'll do whatever has to be done. However, as far as being in New York City, you know, our dear mayor is not exactly the best mayor, you know, he's not going to win any awards, so he's not helping anybody, not just with the COVID, but with the whole situation, you see the trains, the homelessness, the mess, which, you know, previous mayor was phenomenal. It was the best ever. But there's no cases now. Mm -hmm. So what they did, it appears to have worked. At the end of the, yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever the result is, like I said, we don't have any cases for whatever reason. So thanks God for that. Let's move into our second set. This is an on-the-court report. You know, normally we'd be talking about the end of team tennis and going into the into the summer tournaments, uh, Montreal and whatnot, but um, it's different. But what was what has the conversations been with like the racket companies and the string companies with regards to pro tennis? You know, there is a couple conversation. Obviously, the bigger conversation is really the non-pro tennis, the shops. The, you know, whatever you ordered six months ago, it's still sitting on the wall. So what do you do with it? Are they going to take it back or not? What happens with the new releases since you still have, you know, hundreds of rackets on the wall? So that's one end of the conversation. And that one is a little bit more difficult, more involved because it involves more money. As far as the pro, not really much has changed, to be honest honest because everything went really to suspension so whatever rackets I was doing for Tiafo you know five months ago it continues except there wasn't one shipment made three months ago because he already he already had the new rackets with him so not much really has changed as far as the pro tennis as far as I am concerned so everything else pushed exactly everything was pushed um and have you had um and and you you have the, the 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 contract and the operation at Lake Nona. What's the situation there? That changed quite a bit actually because Lake Nona obviously because it's governed by the state of Florida. So everything was shut down for the for you know few months basically weeks and and months. The player development, the part where I work, you know, it was basically everything was put on hold or suspended. So I wasn't there for the last few months, obviously. Plus also, you don't want to really travel back and forth to or from Florida. First it was New York to Florida, now it's the other way. So basically everything was kind of put on suspension, on hold, and that's where really it is right now. Empty. It's not empty. The players who live there, they go there, they train there because my son runs the pro shop there. So he tells me, but it's less players 
and they are the ones who are there. You don't have really people coming and going, traveling back and forth. Low key. Exactly. It's very low key. They go there, they train. Plus, USDA did a lot of internal changes, so that affected them as well. What have your conversations been like with regards to the tournaments coming back on? Madrid, then it canceled. Rome, uh, French Open. What are your sources telling you about these things? Everything is up in the air. Nobody, to be honest with you, nobody really knows kind of from day to day. It's like, you know, with the US Open, you have, you know, the stringers, the team is actually arriving today and tomorrow setting up already because they have to do the so-called Cincinnati, which will be here. Yet people are still asking, is the US Open going to be on or not? I assume it will, but basically everything is more of a question mark. Have you have you had any um, interesting conversations with anyone in the, any any of the Czechs who've been playing throughout this? I haven't really, to be honest with you, I haven't really worked with that many Czech players, so so no. It's more like the USDA guy, like Tiafo and those. But but like again, everything is suspended, so nothing really new that I could tell you that would be interesting yeah. outside of. Nobody knows. Let's see what happens. Let's move into the third set. This is typically where we talk about your career, but I want to just buzz through a million questions about racket technology um, and strings and whatnot um, that I think our listeners always want to know. Okay. Um, what's the hot racket? Uh there is few really good rackets. Basically, every manufacturer makes really, really good rackets, as you know. The hottest one right now at this moment is probably, it just came out, it's actually Head Extreme Tour. It's a very pro-like racket. You have to be a good, at least 4-0 player who knows how to hit. Which color is that racket? It's light gray with that kind of that greenish, that bright green. But you know, that model of the racket, and that's kind of what I like about the whole manufacturers, what they are doing is it's more the rackets the way they used to be. Softer, narrower beam, you know, lower balance, so that you can, you actually can go and play a real game of tennis, construct a point, you can maneuver the racket, it's easier on your body. Is that their new, is that the new version of the Prestige? No, there is still a prestige. This racket okay. hasn't really existed. There was always the extreme line, but they added the extreme tour, which is the, the racket for, you know, great players like yourself, for example. Yeah. What about, um, <laughs> don't even get me started. What about um, Yonex? I mean, everybody's talking about Yonex. For me personally, the best-selling brand is Yonex because you can't go wrong. You just pick the right Yonex for your style of play, but you can't go wrong. So Yonex is just absolutely killing it. But which, um, which racket, like the Curios racket is a sweet racket. Yes, it is. Um, Best-selling racket, basically, for me, again, I can just speak for, you know, from my perspective, the Curios, the E-Zone, is the best-selling racket. Because, again, you can, there's different models, is the, you know, extra light and the light and the regular one. But it's just, you can give it to a guy who is top 10 in the world, but you can give it to a beginner. You pick the right grip size, the right weight, amazing frame. Um, how would you describe the weight and balance of that frame? Again, there is different models, you know, so you have to pick the right one. You don't want to play way, way too heavy. But let's say talk about the Curious model, the, 
that so-called heavy one, it's really not that heavy anymore. But, you know, the tennis, the direction of tennis, the younger guys who are really, you know, the college level or the, the next level of pros, they mostly play with very light rackets. What, how many grams are those rackets now? That one comes at 305. And that's just, you know, some people add up some weight, but not that much weight is added, to be I honest. I think Andre played with like 333 or 330. He played in the 330s, you know, it used to be 342, then he went down to like 336. But then look at this, you have Andre at, you know, 330 to 340, and you have, let's say, Taylor Fritz, who plays at 295 and serves on over 140 miles an hour. Generally, that shows you the difference between then and now. Curious, do you know what his weight and balance? I don't, I don't know his exact weight, no. But overall, all these guys, let's say, again, you know, bringing up Djokovic, when we changed his racket a couple of years ago, we dropped about seven or eight grams. Lighter, so you can maneuver it better. What's his, um, what's his, uh, what's his weight? 327. He plays 327. 327, and he used to be 335. So he took weight off. He we took weight off. He may, we, we, you know, we, we did a lot of changes on his racket, but we definitely took the weight off, but we kept the same swing weight. So we changed a little bit the balance and we changed the, the string patterns and everything. Now, back to, back to Yannick's for a second. Mm -hmm. That Warinka racket, um, again, Yannick's does something interesting where they have the same paint job, the same name of the frame, but the rackets are significantly di different, right? There's a light, there's a different head size. Correct, yes. Um, what's your opinion of that racket? It's an amazing frame for really good players. Again, it's one of the, for me, for the, the you know, the college player level, it's the most successful racket is actually the, what I call the Vavrinka, but a lot of people, because he plays really heavy, he plays at three, the, the racket that comes from Yonex, it's 330. So most players, they play with that model, but the lighter one. The one actually that Tiafo uses, which is 310. Does, does Warinka go heavier than the 330? I believe he goes even heavier. He, he even does. puts more weight on it, yeah. He does. Mm -hmm. and he's a beast, though. He looks like he can play pro he's football. A, he's a strong guy, yeah. He yeah. could play football, yeah. And what about that Osaka racket? Is that an interesting racket? I don't really work with her, so I think it's just the racket. They just changed, made a special special line, you know, in the colors. But is do they do something different to it? I don't know. Well, but that. What about that frame for the public? Is that a frame that you think? Well, is I believe that she plays with the, it's either the it's the V core or it's the it's the E zone. Either one. It's just painted differently. As far as I know. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's As far as I know, but you cool. you better double check that with Yonex because I might be giving you wrong information. Now, Wilson, and, and um, with regards to, those are 18, 20, uh, 18, 18, Six, 20. 16, 19. 16, 19. However, let's say the Vavrinka, they make also one more model they added to the lineup. They call it the HD, which is 1820. Is there a trend in string pattern with regards to pro tennis? You, you know, it's interesting because the top pros, actually a lot of them still use the 1820. However, it doesn't translate to the to what sells and to the general public because it, it's really, you have to be very strong, tall, big, strong, you know, muscular person to be able to really get benefits from the 1820. Like let's say Djokovic, we, he used to be 1820, but we changed it to 1819. You pulled the string out. We pulled the string out, changed a little bit the drilling because so that he gets more spin. He can come over the ball more. So uh, for, uh, for our listeners, generally speaking, the more strings in the racket, the, the, the more control and less, 
less, less sort of spin and less power. Less spin and power, exactly, yeah. So is 16, 19, uh, it would it be fair to say that, or is it just a preference on? The, on the 16, 19 is kind of standard, to be honest with you, where probably 80, 85% of the frames that you're going to buy in the store will be 16, 19. However, again, and that's where, you know, advising your the player is a good thing because, you know, you know, you might benefit more from the 1820 or the 1819, like Medvedev, right, the Technifiber, you know, it's 1819 as well. So you get a little bit of both. You get still good spin with more control. So me personally, the 1819, I like that concept quite a bit. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, Technifiber came on to see, we saw those rackets a year ago. Uh, obviously, the French company, uh, the string company, really, string company. they went into rackets. The racket is a it's a great looking frame. I'm not sure it's like a club player frame. It's you know we we actually do well with it uh, the club player, but you have to a really good club player. Again, you are talking at least four zero. Or better, somebody who play used to play college tennis, or or even better, a player they, who can they, generate their power. They have to generate their power. They have to have yeah. the longer stroke. They really have to play that that really good. Know what they are doing on a tennis court, and then they benefit from the racket quite a bit. Um, is Bobalot uh, is Bobalot still selling rackets? Are they still? Um doing special things in the space? They are doing actually quite well for a little bit. I would say about three, four years ago, the sales kind of dropped off because they still kept making rackets that were very stiff, like a little bit more, you know, for Andy Roddick style of the game. So they a little bit, you know, I don't want to say missed the boat, but kind of for a year or two, they a little bit, you know, didn't make rackets soft enough or comfortable enough for a lot of people. Can you explain uh, that when you mean, what do you mean by soft and comfortable enough? Well, what, you know, with the Andy Roddick era, what I call, you know, everybody basically wanted to win the point in two, three shots. Very stiff rackets, a lot of power. The stiffer, the more power, the better. Right, so like let's say Andy Roddick was the perfect example of served at you know 140, two shots and the point was over. As the balls changed, the, the tennis courts changed, everything became slower. You, you couldn't really win the points that quickly. You can't put the ball away. You can't put the ball away. So what do you need then? You need something that that will help you, you know, basically create a point. It's like a chess game. So you need to have, instead of two exchanges, you might have 10, 15, 20 exchanges. 30 ball rallies. Exactly. So, so, so you need racket that is going to give you more of that feel of the touch so you can really place it where you need to place it. That's where, let's say, Babolat, you know, they adjusted to it a little bit later. So they, you know, their sales dropped off for about a year or two, but now they are back going strong again. Which racket is their um, is their best racket? Is there one that stands out for you? I would say it's still not at all the, the arrow racket because they keep adjusting it kind of. It's still built for the type of player like an Nadal, somebody who you know fully swings at it, who who likes to generate a lot of spin. But that it, the racket does really well. People love to copy the pros. It still people like to copy the pros. Except Federer racket because that one is just so heavy that nobody can use it. Roger's racket comes off the comes off the truck. How heavy? Three forty. So no one can play with that. Basically, no one. So can So when play you it. see a player, you see a club player with Roger's racket. 
they're making a mistake in a sense. In a sense, they make a mistake. And a lot of people, what they do, like, look, I've, I've seen people who are, you know, 5 or 5-5 players who used to play college these days, you know, they run Wall Street. So let's say they play with a Roger Racket. Even then, I would advise them, and I did, and they took the advice. It's, you know, they don't have the racket head speed, so they cannot get the racket around the ball quick enough. So even if they like it, give it six months and they start complaining, they're like four armors hurting. But that's what I find at, at 48, Yeah. that when I play with a racket that's in the 330s, which I was doing yeah. like an idiot, like I could, play, if I was feeling great and playing well, like it's I was amazing. like, I was it's like, amazing. oh my God, yep. I can move the, you know, I feel so great. But after three games, after you get a little tired, I almost was like, wow, my arm is getting yeah. tired. Yeah. That's what happens basically. I always tell people. That's a real thing If though. you are great, let's say you love it, right? And you are good shape, you play all the time. Most people, as we all get older, you know, you slow down a little bit. So it becomes more about your feet, about your arm. So if you are there always in the right position, in a perfect position to hit the ball in time, then the racket is the best there is. How many of us can say that we are always there? So that is becomes, you know, you go from playing great for 20 minutes to really your level dropping off and then potentially hurting. What would you say is the top three 4-0 to 5-0, you know, rackets for, you know, the 35 to 45-year-old, the 35 to 50-year-old? I think, you know, the Yonex is a perfect racket for that type of a player. The Yonex, like the E-Zone, the Kyrgios, or even the Wawrinka, the lighter version of it. From Wilson, you can go to the Roger racket, but they make the lighter model. They make the 315, even though from Wilson, the Wilson blade, that typical green and black racket that you see a lot of players play with, that's a great racket. Again, 305 grams weight, a little bit more head heavy. That racket is built for today's game. And you don't believe in the clash? Well, the clash is a really amazing, you know, amazing kind of innovation from Wilson. Why? Well, because what they basic what what they did with it, they looked at what you know what is hurting people. Why is half of people who play tennis saying my arm, my shoulder hurt? And they really went back to 20, 25 years ago where they made a racket super flexible and really had light. The pro staff. The the clash. No, 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 no. But the racket, the the, the racket you're referring to though is well, they went almost pre-pro staff. Like they really went back 20, 25 years ago to, that head, to almost like a wood feeling racket. Because that racket feels like almost all the weight is like right above the handle. Exactly. It's super headlight. All the weight is in the handle. So what does it mean for the player? Super easy to maneuver. Very easy. You know, you are late to the ball, so you are hitting the ball a foot or two feet too late, you are still, you can with that racket. It's very easy, very comfortable. You don't hurt from it because it's such a flexible frame. However, it's it's a tougher racket to perform with for performance, for speed, for power. You know, you don't really get that much out of it because it's so headlight and so soft. You can't really crack. It's hard. It's harder Even to crack. Even if you do crack it on your side, what happens by the time the ball gets to the other side, <laughs> the speed diminishes, it's lost. So the ball kind of sits on the other side, so you are helping your opponent. Um, However, for the club player, for the 3 5 club level player, 
comfortable, easy, you know, racket. That's why they did so well. Um, is the I think I think we've answered this question, but it seems that rackets are are be, that are being used are more flexible now than they were 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago. Definitely. 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 Yes. And why? Why? Again, because we, you know, with the, the game is changing because you are changing the tennis balls, you are changing the tennis courts. You know, people eventually you figure out it's great to hit the ball at 130 miles an hour, but if you can't hit it within the four lines, it defeats the purpose. You know, and go into the court and then not being able to play for a week or something because your arm hurts or your wrist hurts, it's not fun. So that's why the softer frames are much more arm friendly and they are, you know, they are suited for that more, you know, complete game of tennis. I'm looking at some Don A's. Um, are they, uh, are they putting out a quality product? Are they still current? They are current. It's a very small niche company. You know, it's based in New York. They are really the ones who started almost that super soft, comfortable, easy racket. They were the first one who started it with very innovative technology. So their frame actually are soft, comfortable, easy, yet still have a very good power. So they are current, but they're a very small niche company. Um, is there anyone doing anything that you're like sort of involved with? I know at one point you were advising Donne, and then I think maybe you were advising the Solinko people. Still working with the Sol now it's basically more with the Solinko guys because the Donne, you know, the time passed and he's doing what he's doing. And, uh, you know, we are still good friends, but I'm not advising him. We are working with personally with, you know, with Solinko actually on kind of redoing, redesigning their rackets and the product is already out there and they are putting it into the player's hands. I've heard some good things about those rackets. I hope so. I help them design it. Is it a good racket? I think it's a great racket, but it really was a two-year process of testing, trying. It wasn't just let's make three models, pick the best and stick it to somebody's hand. You know, as a really, there is a goal exactly where we want the racket to be, what what it needs to do. You know, so I think it's a great product. Um, kind of like with their string. You know, they they are great with strings. That's why so many pros are using it. Do you have anything to say about Prince? Prince is, you know, you you know the story. I mean, they they were the best ever in the 80s and 90s, and then they disappeared and went through bankruptcy once or twice. And, you know, they were actually lately, they were based in New York. I worked with them quite a bit, really nice guys. Coming back, I have a feeling that now with the COVID and everything, the situation, that there is a lot of changes, at least I've heard. I don't know what that means, if they're going to be back or not, but I know there were some big changes, which is a shame because they always make great product. But I, I did Monfi go back to a prince? Do you, I'm not sure. You're not sure. Not sure. Okay, not sure. okay. Let's just move to um, string. Is there any string in 2020 moving into these, you know, moving into the back end of the summer, into the fall that um, has come out that you think is interesting? 
We do really well with the softer polys. Like, as you know, the polyester strings are, in general, stiff material, very hard for, for people's arm. If you take the polys away and you go back to the softer multi-filament string, people say, well, I don't have the control, I don't have the spin. So I want the playability, the performance of the poly, but I, I don't want my arm to hurt. That's why a lot of companies are coming up with softer and softer polys. You know, Technifiber Red Code, we still do really well with that, you know, John Isner is using. Solinco has, a, for example, Solinco Hyper-G soft version of it now that they are testing. They are just coming up with what they call the Confidential 3.0, which it's really, you would have to talk to them because they will not tell you what material it is. It plays like a poly, but it's soft, easy on the arm. Tremendous ability of spin, but easy on the arm. What about, what are the pros using on tour? Are they still using that black bobolot string that Rafa plays with? You still, you still have combination, really, of all the companies. You know, bobolot guys, we're going to be using the bobolot strings, a lot of the RPM blast, uh, you know, the black RPM. Blast. RPM blast and do the, in different and, gauges, soft, and, you know. But so, do the yeah. now are the pros using 17 gauge string or are they using 16 gauge string? In general, they use 17 or even thinner. So the pros have maintained the trend of going yes. thin. Yes. Women because they and don't men? because they don't really mind that they break the strings more often. Women because, and men. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, because you get because. Again, polys are stiffer strings, so when you make them thinner, they are softer, they give you more feel, they give you more of everything at the lower gauge. So the, even some of them are experimenting with a 115. Some people call it 18. You know, the 1817 is a little bit confusing. So, 18 gauge. So, yeah. so the... the Sixteen. So the gauge is the is the, the diameter yeah, is the yeah. diameter of the string. Yes. Fifteen is thick. That is correct. Eighteen is thinner. Exactly. So a lot the bigger of bigger number the thinner it is. Yes. Sixteen, generally speaking, is the string you used to use because you didn't want to break strings. That is correct. And then when you didn't care about breaking strings, you would go to seventeen. Exactly. And lately, you go even to the eight, seventeen light or eighteen to the thinner gauges. And. What is the trend? Going thinner, thinner. Definitely. If you don't mind the breakage, but in general, people go thinner. And I was told that the players now are like pre-stretching half their strings, and there's all kinds of different combinations. Is that all? Is that all? In, is that all imaginary? Like no, no, no. It's very real because actually, you know, when people went to polys again, they would go and say, "Wow, look at these polys. Let me play with it." But eventually they discover, you know, maybe this one is too stiff, so let me go to some other one which might be, you know, too soft or too something. So they said, well, let me start combining. So first what you started doing and most players are doing is, let's say what Roger or what Djokovic does, is, which is they combine poly with natural gut. However, a lot of people say, a lot of the lower-end players say, well, you know, gut is really expensive. I break four rackets a day, four string jobs a day, so it's too much. So let me, let me start experimenting with mixing different polyesters. And that's a real thing. That's a real thing, and you really get different benefits out of it. So really? We, you really have to think about which one to use. You can use the thicker one in the mains where you get, it doesn't break you know, that often, but you use something soft and thinner in the cross for feel and touch. So, uh, so, I, so when I make fun of these guys for doing that, I'm wrong. You are wrong, yeah. yeah. You definitely shouldn't be making fun of them. And, um, and, and what about pre-stretching poly 
because I always was under the understanding that you pray, you pre-stretched the gut because it pulled the it pulled the action out of the string. Correct. When you when you pre-stretch poly. Is it pulling action out of already a dead string? Well, there is, again, you know, there is so many polys out there, so you have to be careful what to pre-stretch and what not to. So in general, whatever is already stiff, which is 95% of all polys, we do not pre-stretch, right? However, there are some polys that actually, that they made them softer, therefore they, they play great, but they lose tension really fast. So we do pre-stretch those, but very few of those. Technofiber. What about it? Are they um, are they producing um, something interesting? Technofiber is always, you know, they are always a string company on the forefront and strings. So I love Technofiber strings. I use them a lot. And they are always coming up with some new innovations. The latest one is actually what they created. And they will give you the details if you talk to them. But they basically hy put hybrids within one string. So you no longer need to use you know, one for the mains and one for the crosses. You can use one whole set. They call it the HDMX. But within that one set, there is different material. So it could be 20% you know, poly and a certain percentage of multifilament and different materials within one set of string, which is really interesting ideas. And I think kind of if you want to pick some direction, I think there's going to be more people going that direction. A lot of, you know, the comments we got is the, a lot of people that string and a lot of people that um, work in pro shops and stuff, um, I think are curious to hear from you. What machines are you um, using and what, is there any interesting new technologies with machines that you find like what's the like? What's the premier machine today? You know what there is again. I mean, machine. The one we are using is the Wilson Bayardo because we were kind of instrumental with helping develop the, the whole Bayardo. machine. The Bayardo. What's exactly. this? What's the significance of the name of it? Bayardo. It was uh, again ask Wilson, but they basically said it's a, it's a mythical figure that would actually get bigger or smaller as needed. So because the machine goes up and down, can adjust. That's where they came up with the name. Got it. But uh, so we have been using those for the last 10 years. You know, we have a lot of them. They are extremely reliable. They are kind of top of the, the string machines. However, every, you know, you can go to Barbolod, you can go to Yonex, you can go to Dunlop, and they all have their own top of the line machines. You know, Technifiber has great machines. So it really depends on your market where you Technifiber are. Technifiber has a great machine. Always did have top of the line machines. Bobolot well. has a, still has a great machine. That is, that is correct, all of them. So the why, is always amazing, you know, except it depends again on the market. So why are these guys traveling with these old 30-year-old machines? One drawback, and that's kind of what I was always telling the, the manufacturers what they should come up with, is a machine that you can actually transport, that it's lighter, that it maybe has less features because you need a lot less features when you, you know, work with the pros because they don't, they need what they need and that's it. And, you know, all the new machines in general, they are made for the shops. They are bulky and they are heavy. So you can, these days, you can just, it's not easy to, to fly with it. So, the, so that's the that's the reason they just take, the these reason. guys take the top and throw it on a desktop exactly. and they just go. And my advice always was to the manufacturers for somebody to come up with whatever machine you have, 
but you know, dumb it down, meaning by weight. You know, use different materials, make it something that you can, you know, put it in a nice, you know, gun pelican case, and you can safely fly with it and transport it. Anything to tell us about grips? Um... The same thing, you know, the grips are kind of what they are. Everybody's coming up with kind of new tweak in it, you know, more texture, less texture, more tag, less tag. It's a personal thing. By now, I gotta tell you, there is so many phenomenal grips and overgrips out there. It's just whatever you like, you like, but they're I, all great. I can't control, I, I have, I have, I pour sweat. Yes. Um, is there a, is there a overgrip or a grip that is far and away the best to handle extreme 90, you know, 100 degrees, 90% humidity weather, I mean, where you're just pouring sweat. Always, you know, in the summer when it's hot and humid or for people who sweat a lot, you know, turner groove is always kind of the, the staple because it, it falls apart quick. So you have to replace it very often, but it is the most absorbent. You know, I make my own overgrips that are dry, that last you a little bit longer. But again, every company basically has the dry-based grips that will absorb the sweat. Keep in mind, you you can't keep it there for two weeks. It's you play once, you take it off and you replace it. That's the whole idea, you know, about overgrips. And that's incredible after all these years. Turner grip is still the industry standard yeah, still for the, the standard. it handles the most moisture. Exactly. You know, so even a lot of pro players who might be using, let's say, turner grips in the, you know, the heat, the humidity in the summer month, when they go indoor, they go to somewhere where it's colder, they might be switching to the, you know, the white tacky. But again, going back to heat, they're going to be switching back to, because the tacky are great till it gets hot and humid and then they get slick. So you, it starts sliding. All right, in your so hand. I'm not crazy. The, no, the no, tacky no. grips yes. get slick quick. yes. yes. So they are great when it's cooler weather, indoor cooler weather, you know, they last you longer. But in the summer, you want to go to that dry, abs absorbent. Turner grip. Turner grip is, you know, is the top of the line. Yeah. Do you have, are there any trends, uh, I think last question, is there any trends regarding grip size with regards to elite players? Smaller. Always, the same trend basically continues. It's. You know, like before we would, I don't even buy, you know, in me, in the store, I don't buy four and five eights anymore, which, you know, 20 years ago, it was all four and five eights, four and a half was considered small. These days, buying four and a half is, is big. Now you don't even sell many four and a halves, everybody's smaller. Because you can use your wrist, you can come over the ball much more. Do people, do, 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 do adults play with four and a quarter rackets? Yes. And is it because of the maneuverability and the whippability? That, that is correct. And do, do they ever have a problem with the racket twisting in their hands? I mean, if it's too small, if, you know, you come here and you look at it and it might be, you know, you say it twists way too much, I might look at it and let's say if you said, look, I use a four and, a, you know, four and one eight, I might tell you, well, for you, that's too small, go one size bigger. So few cases we, you know, advise people to go bigger. In general, though, you don't want to be too large. It's hard to hold on to it. Smaller to, to, to really be whippy. That is correct. You can use your wrist. You can, you know, even if you're hitting the ball kind of late, you can still pick it up and be quick with your wrist. It's hard to do with a large grip size. Hey, man, um, I, I think we just covered a lot of ground. Is there any other company? Is there any other technology? Is there anything else that we should know about? 
You know, one thing that for people like yourself, what you could test, and again, I just placed an order with Turner Grip, funny enough, because they make it, you know, that companies make these like this dry gel kind of. So for people who sweat a lot, even if you, let's say, have a Turner Grip on your racket, it still use that gel-based material, because people swear by it, who put it on, that it really prevents the sliding and the sweating. Uh, an actual lotion. A, a, actual lo a lotion that you put on your hands and then it really prevents the sweat. You know. You should really I, you try You know, it. it's interesting. Yeah, I practiced right. with John McEnroe mm -hmm. and he sprays something yeah. on his yeah. hand. What is that he sprays on his well, hand? Well, I forgot again, to ask there, him. I was more so nervous. More different companies are using it, but like I just sold out from, you know, we have by Turner Grips, they call it the RX. You know, so that's what it is. It's kind of a gel or, you know, Prince used to make really, really good one. I don't know if they still make it, but you just spray it on your hand and it just pre prevents the sliding and slipping. Yeah, because sweat management is an interesting yeah. thing. You mm -hmm. know, if you're not doing it, you're, yeah. gonna, you're not going to play well. Yeah, that's correct. That's why, let's say, Andre Agassi, I would be sitting in his bench, you know, with scissors and with tape and with Turner grip because he would change it in between the games. You know, but he wouldn't do it by himself, so he would throw me the racket because once it starts sliding, you can't you can use it anymore. So he would be changing it multiple times during his match. Is the technology become almost too good? It almost seems like you, even in club tennis now, the balls are just coming back with interest where you can't control volleys. Serving and volleying, even in club tennis, is becoming less and less easy because of the... The, the, just the sheer power that people are able to control balls with. It's you know. Is, I don't, it, is it has it ruined the has it ruined the you know it used to be a different ways to skin a cat right so you know, there used to be different ways to play tennis, and it seems like the game even in club tennis is becoming more homogenous because of the power, I think, maybe. You know what, I felt that way maybe five, six, seven years ago, a little bit like what I called the anti-erotic era, that it kind of was that way. But I think it really made a U-turn. So now with these new, more flexible rackets that are more, the more, you know, like the old style rackets, I kind of feel that it's actually coming back. I like the direction where it's going the softer strings, the easier on the arm, where you can actually go, and it's not just about the power anymore. It's more about constructing the points, build the points, regardless if you are, you know, 20 or you can be, you know, 60-year-old. So I think, actually, the technology, it's these days, it's actually helpful. I think maybe, too, the new technology is allowing players, both elite and club, to use the inside of the court, use the short, Yes. Short angles and to keep the ball low and get people off the baseline. It's actually, you know, that's a very interesting point because somebody already mentioned it a few years ago, one of the top coaches, you know, and now more and more people started saying, he said, you know what I'm noticing? It's no longer about just how hard you hit it, how deep you hit it, but it's this incredible ability to, to create angles. So you almost need more more court going sideways because you can really the guys as opposed to just killing the ball at 100 miles an hour putting it away you know they hit it at lower pace by hit it out wide so far out that you are running into the next court yeah. and also you know a lot of coaches notice that spin is no longer just about the, the ball bouncing up but it's almost like a curveball 
that it actually jumps away from you where you thought it's gonna be. So there is a lot more of that angle creation and you know opening up the court. Hey man, um, as I said, thank you very much. Normally I say I usually release the guests, but we're in your place, so we'll just let I'll ourselves out you. of here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thank cool. you. All good. Yeah, that's a wrap. Huge thank you to Roman Prokis, and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code CRAIG30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. We just re-upped the tennis t-shirt of 2020, the quarantine classic. We're taking orders for the Blanc, the Terabatu, and the Vert, which is green. Shoot me a note if you want to get on that program. Andre Zakow edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. Music.